Hello and welcome to Trial by Podcast, a monthly recording by the solicitors at McCabe's Lawyers. My name is Guy Lewis, I'm a solicitor at McCabe's. Today's episode will be a bonus issue of Trial by Podcast in aid of National Mental Health Week, where I will be interviewing Jerome Durasami, former lawyer and author of The Wellness Doctrines. Hello, Jerome. Hi, Guy. In light of Mental Health Week, we're going to be discussing some of the issues around mental health in the legal profession, and particularly the rates of mental health and the prevalence in the profession. Jerome, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So the prevalence of uh, psychological distress, anxiety and depression in law in Australia is higher than any other profession or any other industry in Australia. The rates are one in three lawyers and law students are currently suffering from depression. Uh, 50% of lawyers or students have suffered and 70% of us know somebody in the industry or at university who is currently suffering. So, you know, those are pretty astronomical rates and certainly ones that need to be addressed by the profession as a whole and certainly by individuals themselves. And certainly something that you you might have seen in perhaps your fellow students when you were at university. And then once you went into practice, you might know some people around the place who suffer from various issues to to different degrees. Yeah, certainly. And what do you think it is about the the legal profession that that encourages or that, that allows for that? So I think there is a number of issues. Law is similar to other professions in that People have to work very hard. They have to work long hours. The volume of work required can often be more than is healthy. And there have been a lot of studies on this saying that lawyers in particular are churning out work at unhealthy rates, which is affecting their health in a detrimental fashion. But there's also a number of other issues which are perhaps unique to law and those pertain to the personality traits that lawyers will display um, at rates higher than those in other professions. And these include perfectionism, pessimism, and competitiveness. And so what we mean by these particular traits is that, you know, lawyers are more susceptible to comparing themselves to those around them. They are more likely to see one-on-one conversations with their peers or colleagues as being networking opportunities rather than meaningful social endeavours. They're more likely to see their professional achievements or their grades as being indicators of their personal worth or value as opposed to communication skills or leadership capabilities. And you know that really does lead to senses of isolationism as a professional or as a student. When it comes to pessimism, Law is the only profession in which pessimists outperform optimists, and the work that lawyers do doesn't necessarily lend itself to optimism. And what I mean by that is that uh, clients don't necessarily come to lawyers because they're happy. You know, if you're a criminal lawyer, clients are coming to you because perhaps they're in trouble. If you're a family lawyer, uh, maybe there's a divorce, or perhaps even in some cases domestic violence. If you're an insurance lawyer, maybe there's been an accident and someone's seeking compensation. So at face value, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of positive issues for lawyers to solve. And so you have to think like a pessimist in the workplace. You have to look for the flaws, the mistakes, the worst case scenario in any given problem in front of you. And if you have to think like a pessimist for so much of the day, especially if you're working long hours, then that pessimism has the tendency to spill over into your personal life. There's also the fact that lawyers tend to self-medicate with alcohol and drugs as a way to escape from the rigours of their daily lives. So there's a real cocktail of issues at play here that really feed into the prevalence of mental health issues that lawyers will face. And, you know, some of those you might have seen yourself, certainly at law school, self-medication with alcohol is a big thing. And and then now that you're a practising lawyer, certainly the number of hours that have to be worked and sometimes the nature of the work might give rise 
rise to elevated stress or anxiety. Mm. And often I find that that stress, you know, in certain doses can be quite beneficial and can make you work better. Mm. But obviously there's a point where you're not coping and you need to reach out or you need to, to step back and think about your lifestyle and what you can do to, to bring yourself back. That's right. And, and you touched on something interesting there being that um, often people won't reach out to address the stress or anxiety that they are feeling. And I think that goes back to the levels of competitiveness and perfectionism that exist because people feel as though they need to be performing at a certain level and they don't want to show any weakness in inverted commas mm. because law is this or it's certainly seen as being this cutthroat industry and, you know, you have to be the best at everything you do and if you're not performing, then you're not going to succeed, which is, of course, not necessarily the case. And so it is important that people do feel more comfortable to speak out or certainly to address any issues that they might be facing at particular times. Mm. What can law firms do to combat this in the workplace? So there's a number of things that I think law firms can be doing. First and foremost, they have to be developing or fostering a collegiate and hospitable workplace and environment through which people do feel comfortable in their surroundings and if and when they do experience any issues that they feel okay going to their partner or supervisor and say that you know perhaps they're not coping as well as they were previously and that or they're having a hard time and perhaps they just need a little bit of leeway or they need just need someone to talk to about it mm. so having that environment i think is the most important thing to start with. Putting on or hosting certain events or activities uh, can be really important to ensure that these issues can be spoken about and whether that be having in-house CLEs whereby the issues are raised and uh, people are reminded of the importance of looking after themselves. Having you know in-house yoga classes or boot camps can be a really important way to ensure that people do take time out of their working day to look after themselves. And doing it with your work colleagues can be uh, a really good way of uh, encouraging people. But there are sort of more long-standing ways that firms can be looking after their employees. And I think the best example of this is having a mentoring program or buddy system whereby you have uh, open, honest communication with somebody within the firm and can be done in a confidential fashion as well, whereby somebody feels comfortable talking about any personal or professional issues they might be experiencing and do so in a fashion that's not going to affect their career development in any way. And it's really important that young lawyers especially have that outlet. I mean, certainly, you know, you as a lawyer at McCabe's have um, you know, been part of a mentoring program and buddy system before. Yes. And, um, you know, you probably have certain positive things to say about having gone through that as a junior. Yeah, it's a great outlet to, um, in a confidential setting, be able to talk to someone who you can trust and just get general advice about career progression, but also just any social issues or personal issues that you might be going through and just having that sounding board, especially from someone who's going through or has been through a similar career path and who can provide you with that advice is really invaluable, especially at the early stages of a career where you're just you're trying to strike that balance, strike the right balance between your work and your life. And, you know, it's a different atmosphere to them, to what you were doing at uni and yeah so you're just trying to get yourself into the workforce it's great to have someone who can lend you a hand along the way the other thing i wanted to ask you jerome is are we seeing a cultural shift within law firms towards fostering this 
this sort of atmosphere? Yeah, I think we we are. Um, over the last 10 or 15 years, there's certainly been a lot of awareness raising around this larger issue of mental health in law and firms are certainly more aware at this point and I think we've now reached a tipping point where firms and universities or legal organisations are saying okay we are aware of the problem but what can we actually do about Mm. it and so yeah no firms are getting a lot better at implementing in-house programs just both short-term and long-term that seek to foster the professional and personal development of their staff because they recognise, firstly, that it's the right thing to do from an ethical or moral standpoint to be looking after people. But also from a uh, from a business point of view, it makes a lot of sense to look after your staff because it reduces the chance of turnover. Yeah, exactly. um, and so even if you're thinking cynically, looking after your staff makes sense you know, from a fiscal uh, standpoint. Mm. But yeah, and look, I think that by and large firms are doing the right thing because they want to do the right thing for their staff and hopefully that, that'll only get better. Yeah, great. And aside from, from what firms are doing, what can individuals do to help themselves if they find themselves in a situation where they may be feeling depressed that they don't know what to do? Can you give any advice to individuals in that situation? Certainly. And I think this is probably one of the most important conversations of the entire debate Mm. is what can individuals do because a law firm or your employer can do as much as possible whether it be mentoring programs in-house yoga classes or boot camp but at the end of the day not every individual likes yoga or boot camp and therefore they're not going to get as much out of it and therefore it's incumbent upon individuals to take the initiative to figure out what is going to work for them when it comes to looking after themselves. So personally, I don't get a lot out of mindfulness or meditation because I can't turn my brain off, but I get a lot of value out of team sport and reading books. I know those things work for me. I know they help me relax and unwind. And so I prioritize those things. So taking the time to figure out what is going to work for you and dedicating yourself to those activities, so like really making time for it rather than finding time is going to be crucial. You know, making those things, non-negotiable aspects of your daily or weekly schedule because it gives you something to look forward to. It helps break up the working day or working week. It helps you, you know, really relax and recharge the battery so that when you come back into the office the next day, you're feeling refreshed and ready to go. So you have a duty both to yourself to do these things, but you also have a duty to your employer as well to make sure that you're able to fire on all cylinders. I imagine you, you have your own things that you like to do to look after yourself outside of the office. Yeah, certainly. You know, recently, I've been carving out time during my day to go for runs and, and stay fit. We also have social sport teams. So often at lunchtime, you know, we'll go and play, play soccer in, in a social sport competition. And things like that not only give you a break and help you unwind, but like you said, they recharge the batteries. And by giving you that structure to your day, you can help plan your day. So knowing that you have these things to do, it really forces you to to structure your day, plan your day, and be more effective when you're in the office. Absolutely. And I imagine that because these are activities that you like, um, you're clearly similar to me in that you like playing some sport, you probably feel more motivated to go and do these things if you know it's something that you're going to personally enjoy. Yeah, definitely. And with the social sporting, it's an opportunity to meet new people in the firm and to find areas of commonality. And it gives that, again, that sense of collegiality within the firm, which I think can also be really beneficial. Absolutely. Thanks so much for your time today, Jerome. You're welcome. It's been very useful and insightful. Now, if anyone out there is struggling with these issues, it's important that you do reach out to someone. 
And if you don't feel comfortable approaching someone that you know, there's always organisations such as Lifeline who you can call to discuss these problems. Lifeline's number is 13 11 14, and it really is important that you do speak out if you're having some problems. Now, that's all we have time for today. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Trial by Podcast, a show hosted by McCabe's Lawyers, examining the weird and wonderful world of law and some of the more fascinating issues that affect our lives and those around us. In our next episode, my colleague Danton Stoloff, also from the corporate group, will be discussing what startups can do to protect their intellectual property. Be sure to come back and listen. And if you haven't done so already, I recommend that you listen to the first five episodes of this show, which are also available for download. Our most recent episode was Will It Be Illegal to Run Without a Helmet and was hosted by Vanessa Turner from the Litigation Division at McCabe's. Please review us on iTunes via the podcast app on your phone or whatever other platform on which you subscribe to podcasts as it will help other law students and lawyers find and enjoy the show just as you have hopefully enjoyed this show. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next month.